Welcome to Amplify, the personal brand business show. Today on the show, Bob is speaking with Jenny Ainsworth. The first group of people say, well, what can I do? And there's so much emphasis on me. And it's all about me, and I, you know, and, and, and rather than it being an empowering, well, what can I do? It's just, I'm the problem. I can't do it. Other people are better than me. I'm stuck. I, I, I. And the people who actually do do something focus much more on the word can. Well, what can I do? And that's about action. That's about, you know, what's within my my sphere of influence to do right now. Hi there, and welcome back to the Personal Brand Business Show. My name's Bob Gentle, and every week I speak with amazing people who share their secrets to building, marketing, and monetizing their expertise, intentionally growing a unique personal brand and the mindset you need for your business grow and thrive. If you're new to the show, then while you still have whatever device you're using in your hand, take a second to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That's the follow button. On Spotify, it's subscribe. And on YouTube, it's the subscribe. It's also the bell. It's also the like. And it's also leave a comment if you have any questions that come up. So this week, we're going to range across quite a few topics, I think. I expect us to be speaking about leadership. I expect us to be talking about mindset because we are joined by my leadership and mindset mentor, Jenny Ainsworth. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Great to be here. For the listener who's meeting you for the first time, can you maybe just start by giving us a little bit of orientation and telling us a bit about who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I am based up in the north of England, in North Yorkshire, and have zero work uh, anywhere near me. I never have had, uh, I've always had to travel uh, for my work because essentially I work with primarily corporate clients and work with them on their leadership, developing teams, working with teams cross-culturally and across the globe, and really enabling people to be visible in their leadership, to know what leadership means to them and how they are personally going to lead. There are a gazillion books out there on leadership and nobody's quite nailed it. So it's all about taking some common principles and then applying them to your own life in a way that feels true, feels authentic and and makes a difference. I think the thing with leadership is it's so all-encompassing. It's such a vast, vast topic it's really for anybody who's out in front of anything. How can you do it the best way that you possibly can? So no one book, no one expert is ever going to have all the answers because the toolbox that you can bring to bear on that is vast. What does a typical client look like for you? I imagine there's a bit of a range, but what what's standard? Yeah, there, there is a bit of a range. Um they, they tend to be quite quite large corporates. I, I've been doing this a, a while now, and um, and I've built it up. But they 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 tend to be corporates, uh, quite large corporates who have offices across the world, either across Europe or indeed uh, across the the globe. I work an awful lot actually with clients and people who have got promoted to the role of a leader through their own brilliance, they hit being a leader. And a lot of the time they hate it because actually their brilliance is what they enjoy. You know, whether that's being a technical expert and very often it is technical experts and and, and things like that. Um, So whether that's software engineers, whether that's people in tech, 
you know, anything like that. And then they get promoted because they're amazing and they're expected to try and get the best out of people. And all they want to do is code or all they want to do is to do their own tech stuff. So that's a real mindset shift for people to to look at how to to leave that behind and even grieve it a, bit, a little bit, but then how to to bring the best out of others and to indeed to, to share some of that expertise with others so everybody wins. I think something that I hear and the cynic in me will tell himself that he often sees is in large organizations, people tend to rise to the level of their greatest incompetence. That's the kind of natural scenario where we get promoted because we're great. We get promoted because we're great. And then we're promoted into a role where we're maybe not great. And that's where our rise tends to stop. So in large organizations where they don't have processes for managing personal growth, and professional growth, that can lead to a really calcified organization where they, they're just not very dynamic because everybody's probably in the roles one beyond where they were optimized. And so I'm interested to hear from you the kinds of organizations that you maybe don't work with or that what kind of organizations would typically not engage with somebody like you and what are the consequences of that? Oh, that's a great question. Interestingly, some of the corporations that I have struggled with over the past have been public sector corporations who often have a lot more money than you could imagine. You you expect them to be scrabbling about down the backs of sofas, but they often, the big government departments often have a lot of money and they have been told to do a certain amount of leadership or development or whatever. But there isn't the real desire to change that culture. It's just the case of we've been told to do it. And if you think in government departments, half the time the ministers are changing and all of that sort of stuff, there is no real appetite to change and to be better, to be different. They're just, they just wanted to, to uh, buy a program in and, and, and get it done. And that really wrangles with me because I want to make a difference. My reputation is everything. And I don't just want to take the check and run. And it's incredibly depressing working with people who think, well, what can I do? And you always find an odd person like that. And heck, I've thought it, thought it myself at times. Well, what can little old me do? But the, there's a way out of that. But when you are dealing with masses of people who are quite indifferent to making a difference, I find that a real challenge. So I try to steer away from those kinds of organisations and some of the questions I ask, you know, what's the appetite for this? What's making you think that this is absolutely what's needed? How are people responding? You know, what are they asking for? Because I want to make sure that A, people are hungry for it and B, they're they're willing to, to at least try to put some things into action. Yeah. I think also in these larger organisations, there's often a culture the, the kinds of organizations you're talking about of almost covering up for each other's incompetence and unwillingness to change. Everybody's comfortable and everybody wants to stay comfortable. So yes. by covering up for each other's and that, that, yeah, let's not focus on them. Let's focus on good leaders, good leadership. I think it would be good to make this relevant and as relevant as we possibly can for my audience, a lot of whom are solopreneurs, small business owners. 
from your perspective, obviously commercially, you work a lot with large organizations, but I know you because we worked in a very small group together. And I know you very much as mindset Jenny and positivity Jenny and helping you find new ways of looking at your situation and looking for opportunities, Jenny. But from your perspective, what is the essence of leadership in a wider sense rather than in a corporate sense? And how do we make the idea of taking ownership of your leadership and your self-leadership, how do we set the definition for the conversation we're going to have? Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's a good question. And I think it's really important for solopreneurs and small business owners to A, to be visible, and B, to have an opinion. What do I mean by that? There's an awful lot of people, and you and I have been to to big conferences for for solopreneurs and small business owners, and very often you get a real high percentage of uh, business coaches in the the room or life coaches or people who are working on, on health. And there's a sense of, oh, gosh, there's a lot of us, aren't there? You know, there's a lot of competition. Well, there's a million and one leaders out there, you know, in in different positions. This is about, okay, so what sets you apart? What opinions have you got on your industry? What opinions have you got on what's out there at the moment? What's being promoted as the next big thing, Um, whether that's in in business development, whether that's in um, the, the health arena, whether that's in life coaching, you know, what are some of the things that you are seeing out there and what are your thoughts on them? So I think it's it's very much it's staying abreast of everything that's going on in your world and thinking, how can I bring this into my world for my community? So it might be a uh, an article that you've seen that you think, I fundamentally disagree with that. And, you know, I've disagreed with stuff, even in Harvard, Harvard Business Review. And I've looked and I thought, no, in my world that that I do not agree with that. And I have seen the complete opposite happen. And and so I'm going to share my thoughts on it. So I think it's one of those things of being strong in yourself, who you are, what you believe, what you think. And of course, that will be a natural repellent to some but it will absolutely be a magnet to other people as well. And that's ultimately what, what we want in our, in our businesses. We want to magnetize the people who are genuinely want to work with us. I think what's interesting, is, and I've mentioned this before probably more times than I should have, but if you look at the whole principle of magnetism, it, there is a positive and a negative polarity. You can't have this attraction without the equal and opposite. But I think in that tension between the two, that's where the fear of, well, what happens if people don't like me comes in. You can rationally understand, okay, I need to properly attract some people. Everybody wants the attraction. People have a lot of fear around the pushing others away. And then you see people like Donald Trump and Elon Musk, who are the most polarizing people you can imagine, doing extremely well, whether you love them or hate them. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, why do they not really struggle with turning so many people off? Because they do. Yeah. Elon Musk and Donald Trump, they turn off way more people than I could ever imagine doing myself. And yet they thrive. Yeah. So what's going on there? I think, you know, again, for them, it's it's what you focus on. What you focus on. And, you know, the, there's times when all of us can spiral down and think that's not working and gosh, I haven't done that and that's not not uh, not good and oh I really should be and it's all these shoulda woulda couldas half the time and you know what what you focus on grows 
And so the more that you you see that the things that, that are not great, that could be better, that you haven't done, you see it everywhere. And then that becomes almost paralyzing. It's like analysis paralysis. And so we then get the fear of, well, I just don't know what my next step is now at all, because I'm now so frightened of making the wrong step. And so we end up staying stagnant. And I think that they are, you know, absolutely aware that there are people who can't stand them. I think probably in a quite a sadistic way, they quite like that. <laughs> but ultimately, they they really couldn't give two hoots about it. They, they really don't care. And that that takes a lot of a lot of ego to not care at all. And I think it's important that that we we really sort of take a check on what have I been focusing on today or this week? What am I looking at? Have I been looking at all the stuff that I'm I'm lacking, all the stuff I haven't done, all the stuff that that's missing, or am I looking at what is working, what I can leverage, what what I can use to uh, to to move the needle a little bit more? And it's very very telling actually, and you can really notice the people who focus much more on taking action tend to be the ones who look more optimistically at their business and at their style rather than from a negative perspective. So I think with the likes of Donald Trump and Elon Musk, there's also an aspect where they understand that polarization has this amplifying effect. And so they are leaning into it quite strategically. What the rest of us don't typically have is that level of confidence to turn the dial up quite as much as they've done. There's another aspect to this, which I'd love your feedback on is when somebody is promoted into a role, say into a manager role, or somebody's given the role of being the CEO or the C-suite, they have been isolated from the group and they have been made a leader in essence. So they are now no longer part of the pack, but they are out there on their own. And as a consequence of that, they are inherently different from the other people in their organization. Mm-hmm. Similarly, if you're a small business owner or a solopreneur, you are different from the majority of people that you're going to meet on social media who are probably employees or in, or, or in other roles within organizations. And nobody likes to be different. We all want to be the same. And you'll have come across Mike Michalowicz's book, Get Different, where he talks about how if we want to achieve any level of visibility, similarity is our enemy. Mm-hmm. If we're trying to market like our competitors or show up like anybody, we're going, to, we're going to be invisible because we are designed to ignore difference and similarity. We're designed to notice difference. And that, I think, is what is probably the thing that's triggering the fear aspect most often and actually where our greatest opportunity lies. Yeah. So how do you help people embrace that difference and lean into being visibly different. Yeah. A thought that just came to mind, I actually shared this story earlier on today with with a corporate client. So my last corporate position, there were six people in my team and I headed up the team, so seven of us all together. Five of the team members out of the six were very, very alike and very similar to me. So very big picture thinkers, very strategic thinkers, very fast thinkers. And then there was Phil. And (laughs) Phil was very detailed, very process driven, uh, much more of a reflector, would really sort of think things through. 
And whenever anything had, had come up in the business that we needed to respond to, uh, you know, we'd all get into a room, we'd have a good old brainstorm, right, so what thoughts have we got then? And I'd be going around everybody, Chris, what do you think? Oh, yeah, great idea. Deb, what do you think? Oh, love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it, Dave. Oh, yeah, nice one. Phil, I'll come back to you, Chris. And so it would be sort of going around the people and everybody would be shouting out their answers. And Phil was, you know, more often than not, stay quite quiet. And then inevitably, you know, we'd work out what we were going to do and actions and all of that sort of stuff. And off we'd go. And Phil would tend to email me either later on that day or sort of overnight next morning. And Phil's emails always needed scrolling down, very detailed. And I would sort of scroll down down his email and he would come up with some thoughts. And my initial response was, why didn't you say this yesterday in the meeting? But then as I get into the meet, I think he is absolutely right. And you could have locked the, the, the six of us, the five other team members and me in a room for 24 hours. And we wouldn't have come up with the goal that Phil came up with. And so I had to learn to preempt it. And so to say to Phil the day before, Phil, tomorrow, we need to have a think about X and Y, Z. Can you come and have a think about what might bite us, what we need to be mindful of? So he could come and he could contribute because he'd given, he'd had that space. And it meant that we were able to identify any obstacles before they came up, you know, just, just far better equipped to lean in. So when it comes to us as as leaders and as as solopreneurs and business owners, I think the power of community is really, really important. And absolutely birds of a feather flock together and you find your tribe and you end up being in a group where, you know, that probably there are people that are quite similar to you. But I really urge you to find the oddball as well, because the oddball is what you need when you're either starting out something from fresh just to to think about whether there's anything that you've just overlooked because it simply hasn't crossed your mind because you don't think like that. Or indeed, if you're stuck, when we're stuck, you know, we get to a point where you think, I just, I'm now bereft of ideas of how to get this moving. And again, getting somebody who thinks fundamentally different to you is really, really useful just to bring in and just to see if there's anything that you have overlooked or not even considered simply because they are different to you. So for me, that's really, really important to make sure you have those people in your arsenal. You might not be talking to them every day or even every week, but having that and being making it reciprocal so you can be the same for them, you know, and, and so everybody wins. I think that's really, really important in, in, in a way of embracing difference. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it, but I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story, and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. Hi, it's Bob here. If you're listening to the show and thinking, this is way out of reach for me, I get it. But I want you to stop. Working with me one-to-one or in a group on your business is accessible and affordable, no matter what stage your business is at. Just open your email, 
draft a message to bob at amplifyme.agency or search for at Bob Gentle on any social media platform. Direct message me, tell me your story, and I'll do my very best to help make sure that the next chapter is the best yet. I think that's a really good observation that a lot of the time leadership is isolating and the only real antidote to that is community, being really intentional about surrounding yourself with people who are fellow travelers. And from my perspective, from a personal branding perspective, a lot of what we're doing as thought leaders or micro-influencers or whatever you want to call it, it's strange behavior. It's not normal. And so for me in the beginning, that was paralyzing. I didn't want to be the weird guy of all the people who knew me who was doing all this strange stuff online. But the more time I spent with people for whom it was normal, it normalized it for me and gave me permission to actually lean into finding my way to be visible. And I can absolutely imagine in a corporate setting, if you're a new manager, you're going to need to be around new managers. Yeah. If you're a CEO, you're going to need to be around CEOs in order that you have a support network that, our fellow travelers are not simply passengers or observers or people who are offering unsolicited advice. Absolutely. That so, so important. And to, um, and you know, depending on where you are in your journey, that is massively vulnerable because you don't want to say, you know, leaders absolutely don't want to say, you know, I'm really struggling, you know, or I'm really challenging this area because they think they should know it all. Um, solopreneurs are really reluctant, particularly, as I said, if you are in a group where there is another one of you. Now, we all know there isn't another one of you, but a similar business. There's the fear of must not, you know, acknowledge or, or let my guard down that things are a bit tricky or that I'm struggling a little bit or I don't know what to do next because what if they are doing okay? And so, we back ourselves into yeah. a corner where we we put the the armor on, put the the the, the drawbridge up, etc., and and we don't let anybody in. Now, I absolutely agree. I think it's important that you feel you've got some trust there and you build that psychological trust with people. But that takes a bit of doing. But it ha- it has to be intentional. You have to let your guard down a little bit. You have to ask you know, maybe a more of a low hanging fruit question, but just sort of get a sense check of what, what you're getting in response. What are some of the replies, et cetera, and build up your confidence in the group that you are not going to be exposed, that you're not going to be made to feel vulnerable, foolish, silly, but it's really critical that, that you do it, I think. So another place I'd like to go is if you imagine two organizations, they both kind of do the same thing. And we know where we are in the world at the moment. We have increasing virtualization and increasingly fractured organizations through remoteness and globalization. And with the technology we have available for us, we don't necessarily exist socially as an organization in the way that we maybe did five to 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. One organization has a leader who is very visible. He's sharing his mission. He's sharing his passion. He's available for people to have 
a one-sided relationship with. I know who that guy is or that, that girl is. I'm behind them. I love what they're doing. I feel emotionally involved in this business because of the way the leaders and the leadership tell their story and they're out there visible in the world pursuing our mission. We have another organization that's very faceless, corporate and bureaucratic. Which organization is going to win and why? <laughs> well, it's it's the emotional one. You know, we've got to have something that we believe in. And that's the same with our solopreneurs. You know, we, we can get wobbles and think there's so many people like me out there doing similar sort of thing. But, you know, it, it's things like, so let's have a look at, at where your presence is. Where are you? Is your website a, a series of stock photos or are you on there? You know, because if it's a series of stock photos, nobody knows who you are. And people do need to have that emotional connection because, like I said, there's so many people doing such a similar thing. Ultimately, the differentiator is you, you know, is us. Is, is, is there something about this person that I like and I can connect with and I want to follow? So it might be how you word things. It might be how you phrase things. It might be your humor. It might be your empathy. But, you know, I see too many, and I'm going more to the solopreneurs now, too many websites where there's too many stock photos. And, and, and they're so obviously stock photos. And I've got no qualms in them being used. But, you know, it's who are you? You know, let's, let's come out from behind of the shadows mm -hmm. and say, I, I am the, the main person behind here. I have a number of associates or whatever. You may not. And I get that, but, but you have got to come out behind the shadows. Otherwise, we're not quite sure of who's there. It's a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. And that's just popped into my head when they finally yeah. look behind the curtain. There's a poor guy, you know, just sort of turning, turning, um, uh, screws and, 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 and dials and all of that sort of stuff. And he wasn't quite what he was making himself out to be. And it's kind of a little bit disappointing because you think, you know, I thought you were going to be something more. And the reason why we hide behind all those stock things is because we don't think we're enough. And, and, and therefore, if we don't think we're enough, we get into that spiral, that mindset of, well, therefore I'm not. And, and anxiety can come in and lack of confidence and lack of bravery. I think Andrew and Pete talked about bravery on a previous podcast. And I thought, yeah, that's exactly the word. It's not confidence. It's bravery. And they were spot on in what they said there. So, you know, people connect with you. So what are you doing to be visible? That's my question. What are you doing to be visible? I remember listening to Mark Schaefer giving a talk and he was talking about how in the current time, for all the reasons that I described a moment ago, the organization that's going to win is the one that creates the greatest sense of belonging. Yeah. And that's belonging for your customer base and that's belonging for your organizational resources, your people. And from a leader's perspective, if it is a very large organization, the only way you can really create that sense of belonging is by being visible and being a visible advocate for your organization. Yeah. Because in doing that, you subsequently give, subsequently give permission for everyone else in the organization to be a visible advocate. Yeah. And it's really interesting. You've met some famous people. You know, this feeling when you meet somebody who you know really, really well because of you see them on TV or you see them at, read the books and things like that, you know them intimately. They have no idea who you are, but for you, it's a very real relationship mm -hmm. that has a binding effect. And that binding effect is available to leaders to bring to bear in their own organizations, but only through their personal visibility. Yeah. 
And I think that's where people need to understand courage, absolutely, but understand the benefits as well. It's not do hard things for the sake of doing hard things. It's doing hard things for tremendous effect. Yes. So there was somewhere I was going to go next. I can't remember what it is. Thought leadership and fear, I think. Let's maybe go there a little bit. With the whole courage side of things, people will say a lot of the time, oh, I couldn't do that. Or there's an awful lot of reasons people will have why they can't do things. I'm too old. I don't like how I look. I don't like how I sound. I'm terrible on video. I look stupid on photographs. My opinions are often poorly thought through and so on and so on and so on. We could wrap that all up in a big so what, but that's not helpful. So how do you help people move through the fear? Because you can't go past it. You no. can't go around it. No, you're absolutely right. You have to move, th- move through it. And I think it's, you know, let's, let's acknowledge that it's there because there's nothing worse than somebody saying to you, oh, gosh, don't worry about it. It's the most ridiculous thing to say to somebody who is worried about a thing because, you know, never in the history of the universe has somebody said, oh, okay, yeah, I won't bother. <laughs> I won't bother worrying anymore. You're absolutely right. So it's it's a very real thing. And we it's really about taking somebody down a funnel, really, in terms of what is the worst case scenario that you are imagining? And inevitably it is, you know, abject failure and, you know, looking stupid and blah, blah. And when you start to sort of bring people down the funnel, it, it's it's around, okay, how likely is that to happen? And and very often it's not likely because of the prep that people put in. And there's, there's times where, you know, the, there's no other thing to do than to do it whatever it is. So pushing enter on that blog post, you know, putting that photo up and saying, this is what I, what, what I think. And yes, there might then be an element of, you know, cringe, but it's done. And I think that's, that's the key thing is just, just to do clearly start smaller. You know, this is not about, you know, publishing some great tome or anything like that. But I think it's, you know, doing fewer things more often, I think, is the, is the key to, to getting it into your mental muscle and just to feel this is actually it's doable and I can do this. So, you know, the whole thing, I mean... I can absolutely resonate with the age thing. I'm 52 now, and I do hope that you get thousands of emails and, you know, responses on YouTube saying she she cannot possibly be 52. She must be 39. And I await those coming in. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, 52, a woman, um, there's a a, a lot of um, uh, new kids on the block and not just new, but, but younger kids on the block with a lot of really good stuff to say. You know, it's not just that they're, they're coming up and they're the young pretenders. They've got some good stuff to say. They are value adding. They are making a difference. And, you know, there is that inner voice at times, which is, God, you know, am I, am I still relevant? Are people still going to come and, and, and feel that I'm the, the right person to come to? And the fact is people will come to you when and if you stay relevant and that they feel that you've got something to say. So that's what I mean about staying abreast of what your subject matter is, sharing your thoughts on it, putting something out on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever is the platform of your choice where you believe the majority of your people are. You know, say a little something. It doesn't have to be a great deal, but it's just show up, be seen and and live brave in terms of the things that you're doing, because then people are, are forging that 
thought and uh, perception of you and that that connection as, as you said you know it's that connection that binding tie that makes them think you know I like what he's got to say and I like the way she she comes at it yeah. she's got a, a good angle and the only way that we can do that is to keep showing up one of the phrases on your website that stood out to me was this idea of being less edited and I don't know I think that might have been on a a blog post or a lead magnet or something like that, maybe in your newsletter. I don't remember. But I liked the the idea behind the phrase because I think a lot of people, when they come to content and content marketing, they possibly polish things a little too much sometimes. Yeah. What's your perspective on being less edited and how can we maybe give ourselves permission to maybe be a, a little more prolific and a little less polished. Yeah, I think it's it's the way to go. Now, being less edited, we're not sort of saying show up like you've been dragged through a hedge backwards, you know, don't give a monkeys about what you're saying. No, of course not. But we can be in danger as leaders, as solopreneurs of overthinking, you know, and polishing it and polishing it and polishing the damn thing. And you've heard the expression, you know, good enough is good enough. And for the perfectionists who are out there, that might, you know, fill them with abject horror. I also have to say, I don't actually, here's my thought leadership. I don't actually think that many people are perfectionists. I think many people are afraid of looking foolish, of not coming across with the right impression, but I don't think that's perfectionism. And that's why they wait longer and they tweak a bit more and tweak a bit more and tweak a bit more because there's a fear of if I push the button, if I if I send this, what if? So apologies if you have laboured yourself and you have the belief that you are a perfectionist and, hey, let's talk. <laughs> but there's something around, you know, getting going. Pardon? Oh, okay, I'll come back to that then. Don't, you know, it's about just getting going. And there are definitely things that I've put out there that I look back and think, oh, for crying out loud. You know, have they been seen by millions of people? No. Have they been seen by hundreds of people? Yeah. But also there's an element of, will some people have the same cringe factor as me? Absolutely not, because it's completely personal. Will some people have thought, I don't know whether that's so great. Yeah. But but the things that I put out right now, people will be thinking that. So again, to go back to Elon Musk and, and Donald Trump, it's do I believe in this right now today? And if I do, bosh, send. There's definitely things I've changed my mind on over the years that I look back and I think I actually don't believe that anymore because of the knowledge that I've gained, the experiences I've had. I've actually changed my position on that. And I have got no qualms whatsoever in standing up and saying what I said then, I don't believe now because of these reasons. No qualms at all. I personally don't see that as a failing. I personally don't see that as being flaky. I personally believe that it's growth and moving with the more knowledge you get, the more experience you get, you know, the more learning you have. Um, But I'm interested to know what you think about the whole perfectionism stuff. Well, I I would have called myself a perfectionist for quite a long time. And I realized I was using it as an excuse. And I think perfectionism a lot of the time is simply cloaking vanity that I I think that's the more profound thing is we don't, we want to control what people think of us and it's impossible. It's just never going to happen. It's going to cripple you. It's going to cripple your business. So seeing it for what it is, vanity is simply a flavor of fear, makes it 
much easier to move past. I think fear shrinks in the light. And the more you isolate what it is that I'm actually feeling, the more often you'll isolate it right down to its essence. It's fear. And there's only a few different flavors of that. Yeah. To come back to the age thing, I think this was something that I struggled with in my 20s and my 30s and my 40s. And now, like you, just stepping over the threshold into my 50s, that when I was in my 20s, I thought nobody's going to take me seriously. Yeah. When I was in my 30s, I thought, I wish I had the gravitas of a 50-year-old. People would take me seriously. Now when I'm in my 50s, I'm thinking, and just in my 50s, I'm thinking, you know what? I wish I was 25. People would take me so much more seriously. <laughs> Age is really not, not that big a deal. Yeah. I think what I've come to is you can be extremely successful at literally any age. And the antidote to your own inner ageism at whatever age you are, because I've got clients at every age and none of them are happy with the age they are, is to look for role models your age yeah. or around your age group who you genuinely admire and think age is not causing them a problem. Mm-hmm. So there'll be people who will look at you, Jenny, and think you're the perfect role model. There'll be people who look at Andrew and Pete and think that's their perfect role model to help them understand how you can be successful at any age. 100%. It's it's similar to the idea of surrounding yourself with people who will help normalize your behavior. Yeah. You don't necessarily want to isolate yourself with a group of other people your age because that's just limiting yourself. Yes. But certainly identifying role models and mentors who are a similar age to you, yeah. that will help move you past or through your own inner ageism because a lot of the time it's, it's a you problem, it's not an anybody else problem. Yeah, absolutely that. I was listening to your podcast on Tuesday and it was with a, uh, she's called Dr. Gladys, and I think it's McCarray. I got, forgive me, I, I've probably forgotten her surname. She's 102, almost 103. Listening to her, her, the strength of her voice, she sounded like she was in her 60s. She walks 3,800 um, uh, steps a day. And I was listening to this when I literally ha- probably hadn't set foot away from my desk all day. So I was, you know, shamed listening to her. She talked about how she'd really, when she really found her voice, she was 92. She runs she, with her daughter. She has, she's in the wellness space and uh, doing an awful lot. I found her so ridiculously inspiring because of the things that she was saying, the things that she was doing, her absolute relevance to what's going on. You know, it was just incredible. For me, that was a real, real heartening listen and coming back to this whole uh, perspective about relevance when you've got a thought when you've got an opinion and when you can share it in a, in a great way there is always going to be somebody out there that says yes me too and I want more of that I think alongside this the, the whole population dynamics actually we're in the majority yeah. by far and it's it's I don't know I don't know if we're biologically tuned to start to feel like we're in the minority as people in the second half of life. But that's not the case, actually. The majority of the world is run by people who are our age. So yeah. it's it's a very false assumption that being older is an issue, it, but it's a very real assumption a lot mm. of the time. It doesn't, it's pernicious, I think would be the word. 
Yes, great word. One of the reasons I always love talking to you is positivity and mindset. And it's one of the things you're best known for is things like motivational keynoting and things like that. It wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing the audience a service if I didn't ask you for maybe some mental hygiene exercises that we can use to reset our funk sometimes. How, what advice would you have for anybody who's thinking, things just seem to not be going my way today or this yeah. week or this month? Yeah. I often say, you know, the, there are two types of people. There are those people who say, what can I do? And there are those people that say, what can I do? But the first group of people say, well, what can I do? And there's so much emphasis on me and it's all about me. And, and I, you know, and, and, and rather than it being an empowering, well, what can I do? It's just, I'm the problem. I can't do it. Other people are better than me. I'm stuck. I, I, I. And the people who actually do do something focus much, uh, much more on the word can. Well, what can I do? And that's about action. That's about, you know, what's within my, my sphere of influence to do right now. And I still struggle with it. I really do. I, I wouldn't, uh, it's really important when we talk about positivity. I would say I'm more of an optimist. I'm not everything's great, everything's amazing, because half the time everything is not. <laughs> but what I do have is a great sense of optimism of this will be all right. I don't know when, I don't know how, but it will be if I focus and if I look at what I can do, you know, and, uh, and where the emphasis is, is on that, that sort of action. So for me, it's, you know, what on a scale of one to 10, you know, how do I feel right now? One is the worst I've ever felt. 10 is the, the best I've ever felt. Where do I feel now? Okay. So what's going to get me one step further up? You know, so if I'm on a three, what would a four look like and feel like? And you start to say, well, I'd be doing X and I'd be doing Y and I'd be doing Z. So you think, OK, so do it then. Do it. If that's if that's all it's going to take just to nudge you. This isn't about getting to 10. It's about getting better than where you are now. And then you you just really notice a shift in your emotional state. And sometimes it's a case of, right, you know what, let's just get up. Let's just get up and just, just I'll come back to this. And I'll just do something completely different. And it's the age of thing when you come back. Either you've walked it out, things have surfaced to come to the, the surface for you. It's a little bit like uh, mining for gold. You know, you're getting, uh, you're, you're, you're sort of shaking that tin pan and making sure the nuggets come to the surface. But I really think that when you're in a funk, you really notice how you're sitting. And very often you're sitting at your desk thinking, oh, you know, and, and just, and, and you're sort of even slipped down in your seat a little bit. The, everything is saying, if anybody walked into your office and looked at you, would say, this is somebody who's not in a particularly great state. So it is that whole thing of changing your physiology, which impacts your mindset. What needs to happen for me to feel just one notch up? And that's really, really useful just for getting better. And I tell you something, when you start to feel a four out of 10 rather than a, a three, it feels amazing. And then you start to think, well, what else can I do then? And it's that whole sense of, 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 of momentum. I think, you know, doing the one thing, it's like looking at Newton's cradle. You can't will those balls to, to, to move. You've got to, to pick one up and to, to action that one thing. And then the momentum starts everything else. And that's, that's the kick for me. That is really, really good advice. Thank you, Jenny. If people want to connect with you, if they want to go deeper with you, how can they find you? What's the best way to do that? 
you can absolutely come and find me on my website. It's simply jennyainsworth.com. There's some resource, free resources on there. If you'd like to take a look, things on, on mindset, getting yourself fired up, things like that. Absolutely LinkedIn. Most of the platforms, just come and find me. There's not many of me around. <laughs> and I guess my final question, what's one thing you do now that you wish you started five years ago? For me, and this is going back more to corporate um, stuff, it's asking for the sale sooner. By that, I mean, I have been very lucky in that I've got a lot of repeat business. People come back to me as sort of their supplier of choice. That's fantastic. But sometimes there can be a few months gap. Uh, what I've learned to do is if I'm working on something for a client or, again, a bit of thought leadership, I think oh, this could turn into something, this I'm, I'm liking this is to go to my clients and say, don't know if you're interested, but this is something I'm developing at the moment. You know, I think it would be work well in, in, in your business, but absolutely, you know, let me know if you'd like to know a little bit more. And I found that, you know, that has a really good response rate. And by really good, I'm saying, you know, 30, 40% of people come back and say, yeah, tell me a bit more. Or um, actually, that's I'm, I'm glad you, you got into it. You, you've triggered something for me. Because sadly, we're not in the, the forefront of everybody's minds until they think of us. And so that has been really good for them to come and say, do you know that that sounds really interesting? Yeah, I want in. Or we're not quite there. But now that we're talking, actually, there's something else that's coming along, along the pipelines. And so being proactive in going back to them and saying, this is what I'm interested in at the moment and developing. How, how does that sit with you? And that's made a massive difference to my, my um, business. So I wish I'd done that five years ago for sure. That's a really good answer. Don't be a wallflower when it comes to sales. Yep. Jenny, I have had the best time, but that does bring us to the end of another episode. And thank you at home for listening. If you did enjoy the show, then I would invite you to leave a five-star review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are on Apple, if you are on YouTube, rather, remember that's the like, also the bell, and the subscribe button, and a comment if anything popped up as we were chatting. And if you did enjoy the show, then you will love the Personal Brand Business Roadmap. It's 100% free as a gift from me. 50 pages of everything you need to start, scale, or fix your expert business. Just visit amplifyme.agency forward slash roadmap or just hit the link in the show notes. Jenny, you have been awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, I've loved it. Thanks, Bob. Always a pleasure.